Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. Our guest today, uh, one of our very best comedians, the great Jen Brister. Brister, Brister, <laughs> Jen, sorry, uh, has been a, a wonderful comedian, a great circuit comedian uh, for around, I think around 15 years. Um, I, I love Jen a great deal. We're very different in a lot. Sorry, so self-indulgent. <laughs> Love Jen a great deal, as you'll discover in this uh, in this podcast. But Jen, the great thing about Jen is she'd done the hard... I know it's a phrase I use a lot on this podcast, but she'd done the hard yards. She'd been going for a good 10, 12 years and then broke through. I've said I've said on this podcast before, I think it was Chris Rock once said, you, you can be... You, you can never be discovered too late. You can be discovered too soon. And so when Jen broke through and has now chalked up a raft of... TV appearances, the likes of uh, Frankie Boyle's New World Order, live at the Apollo, and Jen uh, always delivers. And I think part of the reason why is she's got all this experience to fall back on. You know, when she was, when she, in the eyes of the public, when she broke through, because she had so much experience, that was it. She was good to go. Perfect. Um, So here we're talking about her book, The Other Mother, which is, it's an emotional read. It's a very funny book because, Je- you know, Jen's just an absolute gag machine. Uh, but Jen is the other mother because, I don't know, I, I, I'm sort of reticent to spoil the book. Um, same-sex couple. They have boys. I will, I'm will. i going to leave it at that because it, it, it'll get too spoilerific. Uh, this was recorded live at Always Be Comedy. We chat about the other mother. We chat about parenting. And uh, and so much more. Jen is uh, Jen is such a, a comedy hero to me, and uh, yeah, I love her a great deal. I think she's fantastic. The other mother is out now in paperback, um, but you know what? If you if you can, I would recommend the aud- the audiobook version because Jen performs it and performs it almost lo- as close as you can to stand up. And I, which I think is the, just my opinion, is the correct way for it. Correct. How dare I? How, how obnoxious. But, <laughs> but it's, it's just, I think it's the best way for it, for a comedian to perform a book, you know, because if, if their great skill set is stand up, then why wouldn't you? Um, God, sorry to any comedians. I'm just offended there. Uh, the other mother is out now in paperback. Uh, without further ado, the, the incomparable, uh, the wonderful Jen Brister. Uh, right then, let's go straight to seven out of ten. Yes. Yay. We're going to 
to a nine out of ten. Richard Gill, out of ten. Even louder than that, as you welcome the great Jen Bristol. Thank you very much. Wow, what an echo that was. Oh, it's not, it's gone. That was weird. There was an echo. Oh, my God. Is that going to continue? Because I... One thing I can't bear apart from is the sound of who likes the sound of their own voice. That is quite horrific. Anyway, hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. Hi. May, may Hi. I just say, Jen, I love the sound of your voice. And said this week, I, it, it, it's weird that we've been talking while I've been listening to your audiobook at the same time. Yeah, you've been WhatsApping me whilst listening to my. That's weird. I'm like you're listening to my stupid voice and what's happening at the same time. How was yeah, that for you? With you? That has been the highlight of uh, all three lockdowns. <laughs> <laughs> and that just really illustrates what a bleak time you've been having. <laughs> what a bleak time we've all had that this is entertainment. Listening to me wetter on. Wow. Things have got bad for everybody. Thanks. Thanks for. Seriously, can nobody else hear that? It's like it's like, t- it's like tinnitus or something. No, can... no. Just, it's just no. Oh, fuck. It's just me. Okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> uh, Jen, to start with, please could you explain how? So obviously, whether you like it or not, you've been a beloved, brilliant comedian. For, I know you don't like compliments, <laughs> no. but how did you go from being a beloved, brilliant comedian to then writing a book? What 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 happened there? Uh, uh, basically a friend of mine Francesca Martinez uh, for about three years was telling me to write a book and I said to her listen I have got nothing to say nothing to write I've got I've just I don't think I've got a book in me and then when my children were born um, I started to write like these just silly little kind of I suppose blogs or little articles for for Sarah Millican's website (laughs) Standard Issue and they they got a bit of traction and people seemed to like them. People were emailing me going, I don't even have kids, but I thought this is really funny and da, da, da. And so I then said to Francesca, do you think I could turn this into a book? And she was like, yes, you bellend, just do it. <laughs> she um, had written a book, What the Fuck is Normal? And she basically sent me her book proposal and said, look, just have a look. This is what a book proposal looks like. See what you can get together. So I cobbled something together. And then it took a bit of time. And then after that, I did what I always do. I didn't do anything with it for ages. And then I sent it to a literary agent who didn't read it. And then a friend of mine who had that literary agent said, oh, I'll send it to her. And then she sent it. And then boom, she read it. She liked it. She got me a book deal. Boom. I mean, I don't... look, when you're as talented as I am, as a writer <laughs> this, this you don't have to do too much just to become incredibly successful and let me tell you when the book was released literally nobody bought it so i don't really know um it's it, yeah it <laughs> it was really exciting getting the book um published and i was so so excited about that and then and then lit what I didn't realise is that publishers are very much like, oh, we're going to see how the book does in the first week. And if it doesn't just go bang, they're like, bye-bye. And then you never hear from your publisher again. So um, 
it's uh, it's been weird to have a book, but I quite just like the fact that it's just a physical thing that I've got and it's out there until they they stop printing it. Which I mean, that could be any day now. Um, <laughs> it's not. I must say, Jen, it's not like you to be self-deprecating. No, no, no. <laughs> but I I know that I've now got a brand, haven't I, James? So I've got to very much stick to that. So I can't suddenly start getting all positive and optimistic and start wanging on about all my successes of which there are 10 so um but i the the book genuinely the book the book for me and i and i'm going to really try and be sort of sincere now um the book for me has been the probably the thing i'm most proud of because because i've actually got something physical that i can show people i think it's very much in my voice whether you like it or hate it that that is me in a book okay and um i feel like because stand up comedy is so ephemeral isn't it you do a gig and then it's gone and then people say you can say oh, i was really f- funny on saturday <laughs> people are like I don't, you're not very funny now but if you were Saturday you weren't there on Saturday where people honestly they're laughing they were they were really laughing wow <laughs> shit tonight though love but Saturday <laughs> you'd been there you would have seen something different whereas when you've got a book you can go read this boom you like it it's full of l- things that I've written <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine me pitching anything to anyone? It'd be a fucking nightmare. But, I mean, you might, you'd probably think it's shit. I mean, no, don't even bother reading it. What am, I even, what am I even doing here? Taxi for one. <laughs> and what I need to do is grow some testicles because men would never do that. Men would never be in a room and then suddenly go, I don't even know why I'm here. They're like, you got to listen to me because I've got some fucking great ideas, mate. <laughs> What happened is, I had a baby. Well, I didn't. Some bird did. And uh, it's been a nightmare. And I've written a book about it. Here you go. You, uh, genius. Did you hear about, was it Was it a classical musician? Uh, I think she was from the Southwest, was getting nowhere under her, her actual name and so used a man's name and then started getting airplay. Oh, that, I find that. I've... I've that's so depressing. I mean, good for her for finding a way in, but fucking hell. I mean, <laughs> comedy is obviously, you know, tricky enough, but I think classical music, I mean, fucking hell. What a nightmare. That's, that is, I do think though that like, um, to, I mean, to a degree, things have got a bit better, haven't they? In, in comedy at least, but I do still think it's pretty tricky to get on the old television. I'm just still waiting for Sue Perkins to get run over by a car and then I think I've got a chance to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want her to get. I don't want her to die, but just some sort of like injury, which means that she'd be out of action for a couple of months. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, passers by be going. Was that Jen Brister driving that car? <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear you without my head. My fucking computer's broken, so say what you will about me right now, because I won't be able to... And they're, and they're broken. Oh, my God. Absolutely. There we are. We're back in the room. And that is why Jen is the best comedian. Oh, yes, sorry, yes, you, I was giving you such a lovely... <laughs> James, stop it. Don't, actually. Carry on. <laughs> now, with the, with the book, this is such a fan question. Are you deliberately cramming in all those jokes and all those bits, or, or is that just coming naturally as, as you're writing it? Because... If anyone who's read the book will attest, it is pure brister. Every page, there's so many laughs 
per paragraph? Is that was did you set out to 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 smash it with the gags, or, or is, is that just falling off you? Uh oh my god! Did I <laughs> did I intend to smash it with gags? Um, I wanted to make it funny, yeah, but I I also wanted to make it like you know I didn't want it to be a joke for the sake of a joke, so. You know, wherever possible, I'll, I'll try and stick a laugh in because the point of the book, I think, was to write something for parents, not just for mums, but for parents. And if they were feeling fed up or lonely or depressed or things weren't going right in their relationship or they weren't connecting with their kid, instead of having to read a book that went, well, you're doing it wrong, they could read a book and go, she's doing it a lot worse than me. I feel better. <laughs> I wanted it to be a, a, a companion. Um, and so I feel like laughter is a really great valve, isn't it, to release sort of tension or, you know, or if you're feeling, particularly if you're feeling neurotic, like I, I've had some different lesbian other mothers contacting me and saying, Do you know what, I was so neurotic before my child was born, but I read your book and it made me realise that it's completely normal to feel this way and blah, blah, blah. So that's why I wrote it. The book actually... People say, oh, there's a bit of your stand-up in that book. And I was like, yeah, but I I actually plagiarise myself all the time. So there's stuff in here that I've turned into stand-up at a later date, but it started in the book. And then I was like, could I do that on stage? And then I then I sort of stuck it. Um, because initially these were just like little articles that I was pinging out to the internet. And I thought, well, no one's going to know the different – no one's going to remember if they've read that, that I've done it on stage or whatever. So there is bits of that that do readers probably do readers stand up, but I, were I originally wrote um, for for the book. Um, but I do I do think if you're going to write a memoir and you're a comedian, <laughs> it better be funny. Isn't it? it has to be. Funny. <laughs> so that's my shop window. If people are reading this, going, she is dry as a bone. <laughs> Sorry, that was not a euphemism for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, love. We didn't need to know about that. We just did some lols. Fucking hell! <laughs> Read the room. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I mean, there is stuff about the menopause in there, but maybe that's nearer at the end. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> There's, um, I'm glad you've said that because there are some classic Brister stand-up bits and that's good to know the genesis. For example, uh, poo, poo in the fingernails. Oh. <laughs> Listen, that is the right response. The, the, the book have been, mm, there's quite a lot of poo in it. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of poo in it. Because... There is a lot of poo when you have twin babies. There's just a lot of poo. And, yeah, so there's poo in there. If, if, if poo isn't your thing, this is this book isn't for you. Okay? No, I'm not saying that poo should be your thing. I want you to know that poo isn't my thing. It's just that there is a lot of... Look, I'm going to backtrack here. I, I'm not into any sort of scatological, unless it's jazz. I'm just saying... And then, sure, scat away. I just, I don't want to see people. My point is, yes, there is poo in it, but sometimes poo is funny. That's my, that's going to be my argument. I might be wrong. What I hope so far, the people's takeaway is uh, poo dry as a (laughs) bone. 
<laughs> I mean, it's a good job I'm not single because otherwise I definitely almost certainly would be after this. Be like, <laughs> <laughs> um, now how, how on earth did you, how on earth did you write it while this chaos is, is happening around you with, with the, with the boys? Well, so the like I said, so initially I was writing it for Sarah Milliken's uh, for Standard Issue, and so that was quite therapeutic. It's quite cathartic writing about stuff that just happened, and then putting it on paper. Also, it didn't have too long. It could be you know like six, seven hundred words. So there was no real or eight hundred words, or whatever. I can't even remember, but it was quite easy to bang those out quite regularly. And so when I came to write the book, I had a, and also I'd written quite a, quite a hefty book proposal. So I'd written about, I don't know, 15,000 words for that book proposal. So I already started with something when I started the book, but the, I, I started writing the book in October, fuck, when was it? October 2018. And I delivered the first draft in January 2019 so I got it that first draft out and I was writing it whilst I was on tour and that's how I wrote it because I wasn't with my children so I would do my show wake up early in the morning go to a cafe write for a couple of hours jump on a train or whatever go to my next venue and then I do that and that's how I was writing it and then after the first draft comes in then you're just doing loads of fucking really dry rewrites like really boring um, so that that's how I did it. And I actually, I mean, there were points in the, of writing the book that were fucking horrific, but generally speaking, I quite enjoyed it. I quite enjoyed it as an exercise and I quite enjoyed it as a thing of, can I do this? Because I gave myself a deadline that I had to get it done by January because I knew I was going to be writing a new show for Edinburgh. I was going to be writing Underprivilege. And I was like, I can't write a book and write an Edinburgh show. I've got to get the first, I've got to get that draft out by January. And then <laughs> in my head, I was like, and then when they see the first draft, they'll realize I have written a book and that'll be, and they were like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. And then it was like three months of put that there, take that chapter out, move that, change that. And so it just, um, yeah, then, then that's when I, so then I didn't actually start writing my Edinburgh show until like after I delivered the book, which was the end of March. And then I started to write Under Privilege in April or, or middle of April. And then I felt like there was a lot more pressure, which is why when I was previewing that show, it died. Everywhere. Come on. <laughs> um, so badly because I just... I was just trying to, I was like trying to cram in writing this hour show and I hadn't really given it the thought I'd normally give a show before starting to write it. So I was doing that whilst I was previewing it. And it, I mean, it's, it's, I've got some real battle scars from that show. <laughs> I mean, in, in terms of uh, battle scars, can you, could you please share the story? There is, it's such a, I mean, I think I audibly went, oh my God. But the story of, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to give away the story, but it's 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 the uh, IVF stage where you realise you've um, ended up with more than you bargained for. <laughs> oh, um, so I don't. I mean, I don't know how much you know about IVF. 
or I don't know if anyone's gone through it. I'm obviously I don't want anyone to like it was horrific. I just mean I'm just I'm just saying that in a sort of rhetorical way. Um, so IVF is like they make out like it's scientific, but I'm going to say they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, <laughs> just, I'm just going to put that out there because every time you go, they'll say. I mean, it's literally, and I say this in the book, it's literally like speaking to Mystic Meg. I mean, you've got absolutely, you ask a question and they never answer you. You go, so um, what do you think, what do you think the chances of us are getting pregnant? Well, like, well it's, you know, it's a 40% chance, uh, but we couldn't, we couldn't really say it could be 50%. I mean, the, it's higher than the average, but below what a lot of women are going through. So you might find that. And you're like, what the flickety fuck does that even mean? <laughs> so you can never get a straight answer for them. And then they'll say, "And uh, do, so we didn't get pregnant this time. So what, what do you, and that's the other thing that you do when you're the partner, you say we get pregnant, even though you're, that must really annoy women when they are actually pregnant, going, you're not pregnant, you cunt. Um, <laughs> stop saying we. Where, where were you planning on, on, you know, gestating this child in your ball sack? It's not you, it's me. Um, so we obviously we would say that because my partner was trying to make me feel included because not only was I not, I was surplus to requirements, I was genetically not related to my children. So she was, I think she was just, we, um, they never talk to you. So um, that's the other thing. When you're in there, they never really talk to you. They just talk to the, which is fine. Anyway, um, so we'd gone through this process. Uh, my partner, Chloe, she hadn't got pregnant. Then we'd gone to a different clinic, done again, no pregnancy, blah, blah, blah. Then we were trying to find out, do we need to have tests? Do we need to do this? Do we need to do that? And they were like, well, we can't save these tests if you need these tests, but if you want to take the test, you can take the test. And I'm like, well, I don't want to take the test because every test you take for IVF is about 600 quid. It doesn't matter what it is. It's 600 quid. So you go, well, but if we're paying the 600 quid, do you think it will help? We won't know until you take the test. You're like, get the fuck. What is the fucking point of view? I might as well ask my nan. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I might as well just flick a freaking coin and go, oh, you know, it's heads, we've decided to take this. Anyway, so look, long story short, long story short, um, we sort of had a little panic and uh, because it's really expensive. And so we got to the point where we were like, we're going to stick two embryos in. I don't even know if you can do this anymore, but you could at the time. <clears throat> and they were like, no, don't stick two embryos in because you'll then you'll get twins. And we said, well, we haven't been getting pregnant at all. And so if we put two in, maybe one of them will stick. And they were like, well, I'm just saying that if you stick two in, you'll get twins. We were like, what are you talking about? Because we're not even getting pregnant, you prick. So I think we'll stick two in. Anyway. To be fair, I didn't want to do it because I was like, what if we get twins? I don't want twins. And Chloe was like, let's stick to it. What the... Anyway, I like to think our relationship's equal, but there are certain things that have occurred that have made me realise that it's not at all. So um, <laughs> so we stick to these embryos in and uh, the pregnancy, Chloe does the pregnancy test. She's pregnant. Okay, great. And um, we go to have the scan. So unlike when you conceive naturally, obviously you don't get a scan until 12 weeks, but if you do IVF, they scan you earlier for reasons I've forgotten. Uh, <laughs> I've got no idea. I can't remember. So you go in at eight weeks. So we're there at eight weeks and um, they do the thing. What's it called? Ultrasound. Thank you very much. I was just going to call it the thing and hope that you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and um 
obviously, you know, they so they start and they they start playing, and we're we're just like we're not even sure if we're still pregnant. We're that neurotic. We're like we're probably not even still pregnant anymore. It's probably disappeared. And Chloe's like, I can't feel anything, and I'm like, I don't think you can when they're the size of a fucking fingernail. But I don't know if you. I mean, <laughs> if you could, that would be weird. Um, so. Um, She's going, oh, there's one heartbeat. And there's the other heartbeat. And I think I'm, I think my small intestine popped out my arsehole. I was so... <laughs> I can't tell you how shocked I was. I was like, oh, my fucking God! Um... <laughs> And they're they're like what they're like. You're happy, right? Like I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. So um, yeah, I I I completely flipped out in this room with this poor nurse doing this thingy ultrasound, and uh, then I had to sort of backtrack and go. I'm really happy. Um, And yeah, it was. Then knowing that we were having twins, that made the whole pregnancy just feel really all the more um, terrifying, I think. Just now, saying that. Um, the, the, the way you describe the delivery sucked me back to that moment in my life more than I was expecting. I, I imagine of all the bits in the book, is that is that one of the chapters that, that gets the most uh, feedback from people? No, I don't. No, I don't think so. No, and also because it was a an elected elective cesarean, um, you had to go through um, something a little bit more traumatic than I did. So when when they did it, you know, I mean, they just without wanting to be gross, they just tug it, tug these babies out of, of out of an open wound. Um, <laughs> I tell you, I tell you what, I tell you, I don't, I, I wanted to see everything and I don't know if that's everyone's cup of tea, but that, that's definitely how I roll. And so I remember talking to, cause you get, when you, when you have twins, you get two of everyone, you get um, two uh, docs, two uh, midwives, two fucking, I don't know, anaesthetists. No, you don't get two anaesthetists, but you get two of everybody. So the, the, the place is absolutely jammers. And um, so it's really hard to go, and this is our special moment with just you, me, and 14 other people. Listening <laughs> um, <laughs> to James Vincent McMorrow in the background and uh, on a CD that didn't really work because it was a dodgy one. Um, <laughs> I burnt it. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, when they um, – I wanted to see it. so And also I wanted to video it. I wanted to record it. And um, I remember the midwife said, look, if you want to f- record it, the baby coming out you have to when I go like that you get up because obviously they don't want the the doctors don't want you to do that because of you know they want it to stay as sterile as possible and there's a chance that you know I don't know breathing you're breathing I don't understand anyway (laughs) so I mean it's it's just as well I'm not in medicine because everyone would be dead by now but um I, I when the first one came out I missed it and I just got we could just see him attached to the umbilical cord covered in scum um, and, 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 and babies that are born cesarean are really scummy because they're not pushed out where they put all the scum is pushed out. So they are literally just coated. You have to chip away at that stuff. Um, and then, but the second one, I was like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I was really hyped up. And then the, the midwife was like, now. And I was like, yes. 
And I stood up and I was like, and I got it as he was being tugged out of my wife's womb. Oh, my God. Absolutely dramatic. And I watched that choked up. I was so like, it was very emotional because of my children. (laughs) And I felt so emotional. And I was like, I know what I'm going to do. So then what I proceeded to do with this video is every time anyone came around to visit, I made them watch it. I made, I made, because this is how deluded you are when you have children, when they're first born. Obviously, once you've had two or three, you're like, whatever, fuck it. I think they're there. I don't know. But the first one, and obviously two at a time, yeah? So you're like, oh, my precious children, this is the most special, wonderful, most beautiful time. Blah, blah, blah. So I remember Susie Ruffle came to visit me to see the babies. Bless her heart. And I sat her down and said, you've got to see this. And I showed her the video and I'm welling up because I'm finding this whole so emotional because my children are born. As one of them is being literally tugged out of a massive wound, <laughs> a massive hole in Chloe's abdomen, just being tugged out. She's like that. Oh, oh Jim, why? Why? <laughs> Isn't it beautiful? <laughs> And, and and even now, I can even now, six years later, I can see her face going like no. <laughs> no, no, just very disturbing and really inappropriate. What are you think what were you thinking of? I don't know. You get did you find you got a bit just a I was a little bit giddy after my children were born, like it was like I was the first fucking parent in the world. Well, uh we the, the first one, Jemima uh, so I was more scarred than giddy because what had happened was I don't know if I've ever told this story, Jen. So my wife, we tried to do it in the the, the you know the, the the pool thing, and uh, my wife that she had me on her left shoulder, uh, midwife at her left foot, another midwife number two at her right foot, midwife number three at her right shoulder. So there's a circle of love around Emily, and then the midwife on the left foot from nowhere goes. This, I mean, I still get flashbacks to this now. She goes, uh, Emily, you're doing a great job. Keep going. And I think, oh, you fucker, you got in there first with the positivity. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then the mid, it swings around to the midwife on the right foot and she goes, keep breathing down, Emily. And I'm, now I'm like, you fucking bastard. <laughs> and then it swings to the midwife on the right shoulder and she goes, Keep pushing, Emily. You're doing really well. And then I, I, full sense of security, I think, oh, well, I'll join in. And I go, keep pushing down and breathing, Emily. You're doing really well. And then she just looked at her left shoulder at me and just went, not you. (laughs) 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 I remember one of the midwives when Emily wasn't. my wife down but she had to she had to like gesture to me as if to say are you all right (laughs) not you (laughs) but then but then the second one is yeah i mean i know it's quite common the second one is more knockabout and so the second one the uh i'm not joking the second one came out quicker than a roger federer serve Really? Fucking great. And then that one, you're actually like, you're actually there, aren't you? Waiting for it. And then rather than cradling it, you're like, now to you. Right. Where are we going down? Let's get to the pub. Um, 
mean, I think you, I think you, you said that either in the book or you said it as a, as a mate. You said uh, the first one. It's like. Oh my gosh! Everyone's got to be really, really careful. Uh, ten yard radius, and then the second one. It's like you don't, you, you almost don't give a fuck by comparison. It's- <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you've got twins, you get there like my precious to oh fuck it, look, just let's just survive this fuck time, you know. And so I, we'd still we we went from um, seeing um, our friends with one baby who, like six months in, were like she just she's got a little bit of moisture in the corner of her eyes. And it's like, yeah, because if she doesn't, her eyeballs aren't made of wood. That's just moisture. <laughs> if, if, if there was no moisture there, she'd be blind, okay? So just chill the fuck out. Um, we've, did you know how much sugar is in a raisin? I couldn't give a fuck, love. I mean, I, I, am, I don't know if you've noticed, but I am a walking cadaver, okay? So just... Um, so I think anyone with twins, you that sort of pressures, they're so you're just like fucking survival mode. And I have noticed with my friends uh who've got two, they very the second one, they're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know where it is. I'll come back eventually. You know, they're like it's everything's a bit more kind of <laughs> relaxed, isn't it? So yeah, I think that's true of every parent. You you realise that your children are um I don't know, you realise that they they they've got they can survive a lot more. And also, they're not going to die if they have a little bit of salt in their food, you know? Well, I mean, oh, the, the, I, I just remember the second one. So it was, it was during the World Cup. And <laughs> so I had the World Cup on my mobile phone. Oh, that went down well. And then... <laughs> and you then didn't the, have a pic, picture of your children or a pic... Did you do that thing when they were when they were in the womb where you'd see, oh, now they're the size of a grapefruit. And now they're the size of a melon. So you can you explain because you had that app, didn't you? Where you were you were keeping tabs on exactly that, weren't you? Yeah. Sorry, I interrupt your story. Do your story, and then we'll talk about my boring. No, app no, no. Thing. So the second one was, was quite was very laid back, but the midwives were really funny. They were they were like like properly funny uh, young women, and so I, me and the midwives were cracking up while Emily's in the bath because the. Se- second one we successfully had in this in this book Emily from nowhere just went I, I, I can't do this justice she went as we were all cracking up <laughs> she went can you stop having so much fun <laughs> well she's squeezing a human being out of a hole the size of a 10 pence piece so I'm with her do you know what I mean absolutely <laughs> right absolutely <laughs> uh, oh anyway, mate sorry so the, but, the, but the app you were, you were keeping tabs you say that in the book don't you yeah, I mean, like, I, and I think that's a very much a, a first parent thing that you have the app and you're like, no, my child is the size of a grapefruit and now they're the size of a butternut squash. And then the second you're like, I don't even know how many weeks my wife's pregnant. You know, like you can just, people just, I think it's due in November. I don't know. You know, like it's just, every, it, it is different because it's new and it's fascinating and you're learning and you're, also, if you're the other parent, like, you know, if you're the dad, you're trying to be some way engaged or like, oh, did you know that the, the I'm checking it. Look at the size, the size of an aubergine today. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, Chloe never looked at the app once. She was like, I, I don't give a fuck. Okay, I can't breathe. So um, she was fainting a lot in the second trimester because her, her lungs were being sh- you know, um, the two babies were basically pressing against her lungs and shrinking the amount of, you know, oxygen she was getting. So she would just collapse <laughs> like like a, yeah, 
and uh, you you try to be uh, empathetic and like well I was being empathetic but you you like oh, I'm so sorry you fell in the middle of Victoria Station and no one picked you up ah! but you know when you're like not that it doesn't matter how like and sometimes you find if you're too if you're like oh maybe I should I wish I could help and that's even they're like oh fuck off you know that's even more annoying <laughs> you know I'm not an egg shell thing. <laughs> Should have thought that through a bit better before I started talking. But anyway, um, you, you know, so you you can't you can't you sort of can't win really. There's a, another great bit as well. Is that there's the bit where and you 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 nail this in the book about uh, when you get sent home and you and you're going well. Obviously, an, an expert comes to live with us. I mean that that is that moment when you get home and realise that you just got to wing it. I mean that's extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, they just you're because Chloe. Um, had a cesarean. We, you stay in a couple of extra days anyway with a cesarean. But because one of the babies, one of our boys was very small and they were worried about him, they were like, oh, so we, we want to monitor his weight because he wasn't feeding very well. He wasn't putting on weight as quickly as they liked. So we, we, we ended up being in hospital for about four days. And um, then when we and, – and my two boys were tiny. Um, so they were four and five pounds. Four pounds five and five pounds eleven. That's the difference between the two of them. And then they lost weight. The babies lose weight after they're born. So they want you. To, they want them to start looking like they're about to put on weight before they say, "Okay, bye bye." And um, so when we took them away, they were like little dolls, like these tiny little things, like this. Hello, little people, like this big. And then we were like, "Now you take the, these little things, and they will live or die because of you." Bye bye now. Hi. <laughs> do enjoy your lives. Um, You're like, why would you let me do this? I don't know what I'm doing. And we, gen- I said, to, I, I, I mean, I remember saying this to Chloe. I think, then they, I genuinely think someone needs to be here and tell us what to do because neither of us knew what we were doing. I suppose it's the same for everyone. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I think to every parent that you're allowed to take your child home with no help. It's like madness. Patrina is Patrina and I Patrina one of our great regulars is her and I nodding so much while you're talking there that she had RSI (laughs) 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 yeah it is absolutely true now uh, another great bit and I think this I think there's some real vintage brister in the stuff about uh, sleep or, or lack of it I should say oh my god yeah well when I was writing this, we, I was still in the middle of a deep, deep sleep deprivation because and I, and I'm sure you're, all the always be regulars have heard me wang on about my lack of sleep because I include it in <laughs> in so much of my stand up. But um, uh, yeah, I actually felt like I was going to die from lack of sleep. I have never. It is a torture for a reason, okay? Because you need it okay um and 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 without it life is just awful and because they two of them and for certainly for the first year they slept no longer than 45 minutes every night okay and then one of them would wake up and then he'd sleep 45 minutes and then the other one would wake these People were trying to kill me and they were, I don't know if they had a little chat before bed or what they were doing, but they, they, I mean, it was unbelievable. 
I can remember there was one night Chloe and I slept for two hours straight and we woke up and we were like, oh my God, we've been asleep for two hours and we high-fived. And that's how <laughs> we couldn't believe it. And so when, obviously they started to sleep for a little bit longer and you'd think, oh, that's great because you're getting an hour now, you're getting an hour and a half. But actually then you end up sleeping for, you sleep a bit deeper and then you're being sort of wrenched out of this kind of like, oh, this soupy, glorious kind of, you know, you're just sort of like completely immersed in like this, just the best sleep of your fucking life. (laughs) Then you're like, like if you had a dick, you'd stick your dick in it. You're like, oh, this is the best. (laughs) And then then all you hear is, and then you have to get up and then you have to wrench yourself out of this glorious kind of sleep and then pull yourself out of bed and and then you know you're just going to be out of bed for about an hour you know it and that is that was and so I dedicated a quite a big chapter to sleep in the book and also because we got a sleep god we're such middle-class pricks but we got a sleep therapist did you do that did you have to do that yes but I've never hated myself more than when we did that I'll be honest with you, Jen, as someone who loves to tell everyone how northern and working class he is. <laughs> as soon as you've got two girls called Jemima and Luna and you're getting a sleep expert in, you can <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really resisted this sleep expert because, firstly, it for me, it was like some sort of like, failure on our part that we couldn't get our children to sleep particularly one of them and the other was like I just couldn't I just I couldn't even tell my mum because I was like she'll just you'll need a sleep expert she'd be like in when I I have four children you think I had any sleep expert no 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 I stayed with you by the bed until you went to a sleep <laughs> So I I couldn't and to this day my mom doesn't know about it. Actually she's read the books, so she probably does know. But um I never told her because I was so embarrassed. And then um this woman came round and basically said, Oh, um, your child is in a lot of pain and um I think it's you know something to do with your what you're feeding him. And I nearly went I mean, luckily this was told to me second hand because I came back from a gig and then Chloe told it to me. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com in the morning and I was like fuck her fuck this woman what does she fucking know coming here to my home telling me about my children like she knows something I don't know do you think I don't know about my own children I'll tell you what she would be the feisty bitch because I'm going to fucking cut her so what proper <laughs> I was channeling all the girls I went to school with and I um... anyway she was right he had an intolerance to the milk protein <laughs> <laughs> it was basically in agony and um to this day i I still even when chloe brings it up and goes well is this about is, if, if i'm wrong she's like is this going to be a bit like the sleep expert i have to go wow <laughs> i still i still such a belligerent prick i can't admit that that's, that woman was right it's really annoying <laughs> i think i I think you were one of the first people I told about our sleep expert. Uh, yeah, because we... We did a gig with Pasco, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, and I, uh, I told it on stage, and it's it's probably the quietest the Tommy Field has ever been in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I told it on stage once and once only. It was, I'll be honest with you, I got about 10 seconds into the bit, and I knew it was going to crash into the cliffs. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and the little voice in my head is going, you know, as a comedian, you're supposed to be relatable, and you, you've just barred straight in on hiring a sleep expert and then and then you also the little voice goes mate this story goes on for 10 more minutes <laughs> uh, so was it the ending that it didn't work in the end i mean it was it, the whole bit didn't work jen in the <laughs> um the bit well the, i mean this is absolutely true though she she i mean i, I won't say her, her name or anything but uh she came round and basically uh the whole point of uh, the whole point of her coming round. I don't know. I'm, I'm whispering like you know. I'm They're thinking. supposed to sleep there. The whole point is that she she sleeps over, and then every time you get up with the girl who who keeps getting up, is that she gets up with you and guides you and teaches you. And so the idea is that every time you get up, she gets up with you and goes, "Ah, right." So what you're supposed to do is you stand here, put her head there, put that there, there, then you say this there, and then you walk out <laughs> backwards. That was what was supposed to happen. What actually happened was she came round. And slept through for eight hours. <laughs> so Amazing. She left in the morning, like freshest she's probably ever been in her life. <laughs> so, I, so I said to Emily, I was like, have we just paid for her to have a solid eight hour kick? <laughs> Did you pay? Did you pay her? Well, yeah, well, the, 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 the the happy ending, I guess, is that everything that she did teach us while she while she was fucking while she was asleep, yeah. <laughs> everything that she told us while she wasn't asleep, everything worked and touch wood and all that. Uh, 
Jemima has slept, you know, in her own bed every night since. So there was no need for that awkward email, you know. Ah, uh, well, I mean, at least it, I mean, at least it worked. I mean, we found out that he was allergic to milk protein. We got him on a formula that had no milk protein in it, and he still didn't fucking sleep. So I'm going to say she was shit. Uh, there's there's also a lovely bit about the the uh, oh mate sorry I'm gonna make it sound even more uh, even more middle class the bit about the builders yeah I know I mean actually this is the most obnoxious book I've in the world isn't it Um, (laughs) poor middle class lesbian struggles being a parent Um, yeah I'm I'm really beginning to hate myself actually um yeah the there's a bit i mean this bit in the book (laughs) so basically i know the bit that you're talking about and it is that um we got these builders in and they basically fucked us over i don't know if anyone has ever heard of this sort of thing (laughs) (laughs) i mean these cunts can we not regulate them um so anyway, Bert and Ernie turned up and just fucked up, and then we paid them thousands of pounds, and they never finished the job. So uh, anyway, not hold a grudge. Um, when we when we we they start they'd started work on the house. I think in something like September 2014, we moved back into the house in February or March 2015, and it was still a building site, complete building site. And so there was no central heating. Um, it, was, it was still cold because it was still like winter. And um, I can't remember. Oh, that was it. So we'd, we had been, um, we had rented a house nearby to, while the building work was going on. And we now had got kicked out of the house and we finally were moving back into our own home, which was not ready, with two uh, six-month-old babies. And... Um, I remember we walked into the house and it had not been, no radius had been on for months, obviously. So it was absolutely freezing. There was dust everywhere. There was building tools everywhere. If you can imagine with babies, you're like, oh, I don't want to put my babies down. There was no furniture. It was miserable. So we, Chloe said, look, we've got the there's, a, there's at least one radiator, one radiator downstairs. Let's try and get that on. We'll go up the boiler stairs in this loft conversion that we were having done. And um, still no doors, uh, still no uh, handles on any of the doors or anything. Still like uh, a, a complete shithole, right? So we go upstairs to the boiler and um, uh, there's no carpet or anything, but there's finally a floor. And, um, but there's, like I said, there's no handles on the doors. And Chloe said, look, um, hang on to the babies. I'm going to go into the boiler, which is in this cupboard, and switch the boiler on. And she said, you know... Um, don't close the doors because there's no handles on the doors. And I was like, I'm not going to close the doors. I'm not stupid. <laughs> and uh, so I'm, I've got my two little boys and they're cr- they're crawling. They're like at six months now. So they're crawling around. And I was like, oh, oh, hang on a second. There's no banister thing on the landing. I don't want them to go for a burn. I'll just push the door to. Oh. <laughs> 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 so I push the door to, the door closes. Chloe comes out of the, <laughs> she comes out of the cupboard. She goes, did you just close the door? I said, yeah, because I don't want the kids to. She goes, I just specifically told you. I just, didn't I just say to you, do not 
close the door and you have just closed the fucking door i said well, it's okay well we can get out just like how do you think we're going to get out there's not a handle on the door i was like what do we, we just like phone some phone someone she goes do you have your phone on you i was like no she goes i don't have my phone on me either because our phones are downstairs i was like okay so maybe um um maybe we could shout out the window she's like to who um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, and it was a Velux. She goes, "What are you? What are you going to have a conversation with?" I guess, and also, when the Velux is open, there's just the roof. There's, there's, you can't see anyone. You got, you have a good chat to the roof tiles, are you, Bellend? Um, so she was getting really stressed, and I thought, "Look, I'm going to have to be the calm one here." And, and, and there was a lot of beauty. Oh, we won't go into it, but there was things said that evening that maybe are best left not repeated, but. <laughs> Uh, suffice to say she was angry with me and it didn't help when I said she was like we haven't got any food we haven't got any milk I said well they've got your boobs and she was like if I don't eat my boobs I don't produce any fucking milk you idiot and I was like okay so um (laughs) she goes and also it was a Friday and so the builder, I said, well, the builders will be back. She said, they're not going to be come back till Monday. So we, we genuinely thought we were going to be locked in this this loft thing for two whole days. Um, but you know what? MacGyver was on the loose. That's me, by the way. And um, I, one of the builders had left a biro and uh, and I used the biro and I put it in the hole where the door had, and I twisted it. We got out. Oh, damn. And, Thank you. Now, look, this is the response I was expecting from my lovely partner, Chloe. Um, but I think other things were said. Um, <laughs> you're, f- you're fucking lucky that open, otherwise you were going to be dead. <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's fun times to be had. I mean, given, before we get to the Q and A, I mean, given the given the title of the book, and and you know, it's something that you write about, um, you, you revisit. Is that what's had that's had the most positive feedback? The the fact that you are the other mother, and another uh, couples in a in a similar situation. They they that must have been quite overwhelming in a in a lovely way. If they've been given that sort of feedback that they could relate. Um, yeah, it has been really nice because when you. Um... Uh, write something or or produce any piece of work on stage or whatever you don't you don't <clears throat> you often forget that people are actually going to watch it read it listen to it it, it just you, once you've done it you sort of almost forget about it so it, it is really lovely I do really appreciate it when people get in contact and they say you know um uh, your book really helped me it really made me f- get things into perspective it's just sort of made me panic a lot less about being a parent thank you so much so that of course that's lovely when people if if if, if i've um helped anyone so uh yeah that, that's been great and also it's good to know that someone's um read it <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's always the other plus is uh, oh you sure someone's read it great <laughs> did you encounter many did you encounter many twats given the, that you were given it's two women raising two boys have you encountered any uh prannies along the way of mo- most people being you know normal as parents you mean yeah. um well we live in brighton so um 
be a bit weird if people were like, I cannot believe there are lesbians. Um, <laughs> it's, it's pretty, um, it's pretty <laughs> liberal where we live. We haven't. We've been very fortunate, I, and I think most people kind of know to just troll you online rather than say it to your face. <laughs> so um, I haven't, I haven't had anything. You know, touch wood. I mean, there's still time, isn't there? Still plenty of time for all of that. But most people, I don't think, I genuinely, genuinely believe that most people don't give a shit. As long as you're, as long as you treat, you know, you're bringing up your kids and you're doing the best for your children. That's what people want. And it doesn't really matter if it's two mums or two dads or one mum or one dad or I'm just trying to think of another one. What's the other one? Oh, yeah, mum and a dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just think, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm older than you, but uh, are you? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, God, my voice is so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, everybody. That was awful. Um, no, you're not older than me. I am. I'm 54. <laughs> no, you're not. You are not older than me. I am. I'm 42. I'm 46. <gasps> no, you're what? not. What? <laughs> and Brewster, honestly, what is? I mean, let's go. Let's say, let's go full. Uh, let's go full Oprah on this. What is the secret to eternal youth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I don't want to talk about this because I was on a Zoom call um, and I held the laptop down. Okay, and so my neck, and then all you could see was this weird, wrinkly, chickeny thing happening here. <laughs> Look at this. That's not going back like it used to. It's an absolute horror show. I have been told. I'm sorry. I can't get. I I literally cannot comprehend that you're anything other than 27. Mm. (laughs) Oh, mate. Like I said to you, I have put on some makeup. (laughs) And this is amazing for like just (laughs) softening the. I've got it on the softest focus you can. <laughs> when you said forty-six, there were there were genuine. I mean, not just from me. There were genuine audible gasps. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know what to do about that. Is that is that? I'm 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 forty-six. I'm four years away from fifty, and I'm okay about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's 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 a I, I do feel like my 40s have been my best decade though definitely and I remember hearing women say that when I was in my 20s and I was like fucking hell that's a that sounds depressing because I'm in my 20s <laughs> and I look back at my 20s and I go Oof, no I wouldn't want to go through those again I love my 40s I could not agree more I just think and I think my 50s are going to be even better than my 40s. I really think that. I'm not just saying that as in a, I better say that because it's going to happen. I mean, I genuinely think my 50s are going to be banging. I don't know about my 60s. We'll see. Because my knees are a bit funny. But <laughs> I've got to wear these orthotic insoles because my feet have gone. But other than that, I think. Ken, one of our regulars on the front row, always says to me that once you hit your 90s, it really. I genuinely can't wait. <laughs> now J- jen um we you were going to this I've, I've turned this into uh full-on sky arts book club here but you were you're gonna do a reading from the book jen oh do you have time for that 
It's up to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, we can do. I'm just trying to... Uh, uh, do you know what? The thing I was going to read, I've just sort of done. So uh, let me have a look here. Um, uh, you to keep talking. <laughs> well, I would say, I would say, if you're going to buy the other mother, I, I would absolutely buy the audiobook version because Jen, uh, characteristically, performs the living piss out of it. And uh... <laughs> yeah, get the, um, get the. Uh... I think Audible's great. We, it's like I'm doing an advert for Audible, but I don't think it's, I think it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, you're doing some really good filling here. I absolutely. <laughs> oh, Jen, as, as our regulars will know, I've got a lot of stories about having to fill from being a TV. <laughs> Jen, Jen knows my story about having to fill for 40 minutes because uh, Dame Shirley Bassey went for a costume change. <laughs> <laughs> I actually uh, just trying to find a bit that is funny. I'm really struggling. It's all funny. Um, well, let let me fucking hell, Brister. <laughs> you're embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing James. You're embarrassing, well, yourself. <laughs> While you look, would you like to answer a question from the Q and A? Go, uh, Keith Smith. How are you? Uh, this is a loaded question. How are you finding virtual events compared to live? I mean. Really? <laughs> How are you as an audience? What do you think? I mean, there are advantages, aren't there? Because there is a certain intimacy that we get from doing this, particularly you guys on the front row. We feel like we're having a conversation, don't we? And, and that's quite nice. And um, I can see into your living room, so you can see into my room. Um when this is over, we just close our laptops. That's nice. We don't have to get the night bus or anything like that. So that's all lovely. But there's, as a performer, um, obviously, I do very much enjoy um, being amongst people, you know, and having that vibe. I really do. Yeah. And and as a performer, you just don't get that energy that you get. Like, I really loved, I mean, I know with hindsight, <laughs> you know, when we were doing live gigs briefly, probably with hindsight, none of us should have been doing them, but fuck it. Uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed them while they were going on, so I don't give a shit. Um, uh, I really like that that gig that you did, James, that I did uh, with those two gigs that we did to get, um, at the Tommy Field. It was so much fun. Mm. And um, I, I felt giddy afterwards for, for a good couple of hours because I enjoyed just performing and I'd gotten that I can perform and that I am a stand-up because I'd was I wasn't really enjoying the zoom gigs I wasn't really I was I wasn't sure if I was very good at them I wasn't sure if people were enjoying them at that time you were the only person that was doing front row James all the other gigs I was doing on zoom were to silence so you'd perform and then you'd go (laughs) 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 bye uh, and then close your laptop and and then my, go- my girlfriend would go did it, how did that go and I'd be like I've got no fucking idea I was just talking into the abyss you know <laughs> so I am genuinely really looking forward to performing live again whenever that whenever that may be and in whatever capacity that is I am really and I'm hoping that that things will open up a bit in the summer and we can do gigs outside is what I'm really hoping 
Now that that particular night it was lovely to see you. It was lovely to see Pasco. We were we had a great Dua Lipa chat before the show. Don't you remember that? Oh yeah, we did have a Dua Lipa chat. Yeah. Dua Lipa. But then what I'm building up to here, uh, Jen Brister closes the second show. Uh, what happened? Encore for Brister. <laughs> remember that? Um, well, I mean, I remember it being a lot of fun. Yeah, I did really enjoy it, and there was there was a an, an encore. But I, no, I mean, I'm, no disrespect to anybody here, but you, you, the audience will always be our not like normal audiences. <laughs> Just really nice, and and I think as performers, we are like this can't be real. And it is the same material in another gig, and people are like, "Fuck it, what is this shit?" So, um, but yeah, no, that I did, and and don't get me wrong, I did very much enjoy that. I didn't cope deal with it very well, but I did enjoy it, and I don't take a compliment well. Uh, Sarah Pascoe once said to the uh, Tommy Field crowd, no, "I don't think anyone's played always be comedy." You know, I mean, yourself, you're in that similar bracket of people who you know always keep coming back and always be very welcome. But Pascoe once said to the crowd. And she has a great relationship with them. She performs there all the time. So she knew that they were taking the spirit as intended. But she goes, she goes, you lot, she goes, you lot, you're like an audience where if EastEnders were to do a comedy night and all the audience members have been paid to laugh and clap at everything, that's what you are. And <laughs> most audiences have been really offended. Every single person in the Tommy Field, as if to make her point. Ah! <laughs> what? But listen, I mean, as comedians, we 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 do talk about always be as, as our favourite gig or as the one that we love doing the most, and so um, that is that is down to the audience and you, James. <laughs> it's down to the audience. I mean, they must never leave. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason why you know everyone sits in the same seats because yeah because they're always there <laughs> if, one time Richard Gill didn't turn up we sent a search party out <laughs> <laughs> I know the day Richard's not there the day I'm like something dreadful has happened oh, <laughs> I see comedians go he's rich in and I've gone no he's, he's had to visit his family and that comedian's been like oh for fuck's sake <laughs> what's the point of even being here yeah. <laughs> um, look, I found a, I found a oh, thing. Hold on, hold on. All right, okay. I don't. I, I don't. I hope it's not. It's not too long because the lot. I always find with readings. I don't know about the rest of you, but we don't want much, do we? Um, <laughs> okay. The other right. So I've I've talked about mother and baby group that I went to. Just pretend that that's happened, and I'm talking about the next one. <clears throat> The other mother and baby group I made myself go to was held in a large church. Now, whatever your opinion about religion is and all that jazz, one thing I will say is that they gave up their entire church every week to have a veritable biblical swarm of atheist mums turn up with their babies to play for free, glug down their free tea and coffee and feed their kids with free snacks. I mean, in so many ways it was great. And yet in other ways it was hell on earth. (laughs) <laughs> so, you've got to picture this this church is humongous even so the place was packed full of mums and babies and toddlers that for a start even trying to park our monster of a buggy among them all among all the others to just get into the church was a stress fest once inside sweating with the two boys in tow i was overwhelmed by the number of people wondering how i'd ever find a place to sit 
Plus, I was trying to make my way through the throng, holding two wriggling babies who were desperate to get on the floor and start exploring. Now, in case I haven't made this clear already, by this point, both my boys were no longer static. They liked to move and they rarely liked to move in the same direction. (laughs) Trying to get them to take an interest in the same toys was virtually impossible. While I was busy fishing something out of the little one's mouth or stopping him from stealing a toy from another child, the other one would have, well, just buggered off. (laughs) I'd then spend the next five minutes frantically looking around me to see where the hell he had got to. I mean, God, he can't have got far. Where the fuck? He's only a baby. He can't even walk. Where the fuck is he? (laughs) Inevitably, one of them, and they took this in turns, would be under a table, chewing on a prit stick or standing up, wobbling next to a table leg and inexplicably trying to lick it. I don't know why they did that. They they just like licking table legs. On more than one occasion, a well-meaning volunteer would be holding one of them aloft, a look of mild concern on her face as she scanned the crowd of mothers to see who would be coming forward to claim him. It was a humbling experience every time. I'd make my walk shame over to her to retrieve over to her to retrieve him from her as she stood patiently with that special look on her face, a mixture of sympathy and judgment. The expression of one who no doubt has had children of her own and would never, ever, ever been left to wander off like that. Oh, no, no, not her children. Only idiots like you would do that. (laughs) Sepia (laughs) Lezza. In my defence, there was always a lot going on at any given moment. As soon as I stepped through the door, I had to take off their jackets, puddle suits, hats, mittens, and then I had to find somewhere to stuff them. They usually both started howling as I did this. I'd lift one of them up. He'd have done a massive poo. Now I had to find the changing mat, nappies, wipes, cream, and carry both of them to find the changing toilet. I'd find it. As usual, it would be engaged, so I'd wait, trying to ignore the pitying looks as one or both of them screamed their heads off. That was the easy part. Once in the changing toilet, that's when the fun started. Don't have kids? Ever wondered why the toilet with the baby changing facilities is is engaged for what feels like hours? Well, here's a brief rundown as to why okay here we go firstly i have to get both of them on the changing table and try to change the one with the dirty nappy and simultaneously try to stop the other one from falling off i put (laughs) dirty nappy on his back take off his nappy to reveal absolute carnage the poo has escaped out the back of the nappy and it's halfway up his back there is poo everywhere i'm going to have to completely change him but i can't because i've left the freaking bag with his change of clothes in the bag in the bottom of the fucking buggy spot it i think it doesn't matter i'll just undress him it's fine and i'll change him later so i peel off his shit caked clothes simultaneously trying to stop the other one from putting his hand in the nappy full of poo i throw the shitty baby baby grow on the floor i'll deal with that in a minute right I have managed to clean his bottom, but the poo is all the way up his back and it's the consistency of a broken digestive biscuit. Right, it it doesn't seem to matter how much I try to wipe it clean. Now I'm essentially just spreading bits of mealy shit all over him. I give up and wrangle wrangle a clean nappy onto his bottom. The same mealy excrement is all over my hands and under my nails. My face is now prickling with sweat and I have to fight the urge to wipe my brow with my shitty fingers. The other one has got hold of the wet wipes and is pulling them out one by one and throwing them on the floor. My stress levels amp up another level. I try to stuff the wet wipes back in the flat, but it's not working and the ones I've stacked back are now covered in grainy poo. I realise I've forgotten to put nappy cream on his bottom, so I open up the nappy again, squeeze out a load of cream and smear it some, some, 
Similarly, all over his mealy, shitty bum. I close the nappy back up, look up and see that meanwhile, the other one has grabbed the nappy cream and squeezed most of it onto himself. The table and the wall. Breathe, breathe. Through the nose and slowly out through the mouth. I have one naked baby and a handful of shitty clothes, another baby covered in cream, a floor covered in wet wipes and I'm losing the will to live. I take a slightly shitty wet wipe from the pack and try to wipe some of the nappy cream off the second baby but end up smearing it on a larger surface area. I use the sleeve of my jumper. I immediately regret using the sleeve of my jumper. Now I have nappy cream all over myself. I get the overflowing nappy into a nappy bag and into the bin, ignoring the fact that I now have poo all over my fingers again. Overwhelmed, sweating, red-faced and on the brink of screaming, I try to calmly stuff what's left of the cream and the wipes back into the changing bag. I pick up the babies, one of whom is now completely naked apart from his nappy. It's nearly over. With pooey, greasy, nappy-creamed fingers, I manage to unlock the door, breathe and step outside, avoiding eye contact with the woman going in and the queue of irritated mothers with stinking babies that has formed behind her is someone calling for me i turn around it's the woman who's just gone in after me she's pointing at a baby grow caked in shit on the ground is this yours uh no i, I don't i don't know whose that is i walk off vowing never to leave the house again <laughs> And I hope that makes you feel a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I I think that is, I think that's a perfect closer. But someone has asked a question and I I feel you can do, you can help him out here. Michael Matthew has asked uh, that we have twins. So we know your book is completely true. Now, one of our sons, not a twin, and his partner have twins due in June. Should we, A, give them your book as a warning, or B, wait until their twins are two and give them the book? (laughs) Give them the book as a warning. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. definitely. It comes out on March 7th, by the way. In, so it's out, out, out in paperback. Paperback, yeah. But you can buy it in hardback. This is the hardback. Oh. Oh, look at it. This is the yellow and hard. <laughs> uh, question from one of our regulars. Sarah, uh, what, have, what have you had to tell your kids off for that you actually found funny? That's a great question. Oh, oh, um, (laughs) well, (laughs) more recently, they have um, started to really lose their temper with me because I keep asking them to do things because they see too much of me. And so at the moment, when I ask them to do something, they always say no. And they think of something which is the worst insult that they can think of. And it's always something like, no, I won't, you stinky poo bum. Or they'll come out with something that then all of their insults are shit. They're always like, you've got a face like a wee wee. And sometimes I'm like, how can you have a face like a wee wee? Um and um, it actually doesn't help because they just think you're laughing at them, which which I am. But yeah, mm-hmm. I'm trying to be like, now go up to your room. I won't. You look like a winky. Two <laughs> <laughs> uh, people that Laura Ancy and Marie Price have both asked about the wild swimming. How's it going? Is that the, is that the key to eternal youth? <laughs> I don't know if it's the key to eternal youth, but it's the key to my mental health. I'm very lucky to live by the sea. I really know that. Um, so, uh, 
swimming in very cold water. I know it sounds awful, but it's actually real, really great. And then you come out and your endorphins just go through the roof. And then for a little bit, you feel happy. <laughs> Doesn't last, but just for a little bit. You're cold and you're very, very happy. I've been going swimming with Zoe Lyons, actually. I've, I've, I've been dragging her oh, with me. And, uh, and Zoe who didn't swim the whole way through this, the autumn like I did, just started swimming in November. Uh, she doesn't have, like, I've got gloves and socks, uh, neoprene gloves and socks, um, and she just goes in in a bikini. So she's <laughs> hardcore. <laughs> Zoe Lyons is hardcore. <laughs> we went in on my birthday last week, and it was minus two with a wind chill factor of minus eight. And we all agreed Ooh. that that was too cold. <laughs> uh, a couple of people, Rich Gill and, and Wagner, both asked, "When is the? W- would you do? Would you do another book? Would you do a follow up?" Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> people are always like, "Can't wait for the." Follow-. I mean, I say that. I mean, when, uh, I mean, there's every chance uh, if, if um, <laughs> my career suddenly hits the skids, I'll write another one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't have any plans to write another one, no. I think I think um, I kind of got out what I wanted to say in that book, really. Uh, Otherwise, well, oh, you just get known as that woman that wangs on about having kids. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last one before we go for, from Maya. Given you got a two for, i.e. two for the price of one, would you have another? No. <laughs> <laughs> Hundred percent no. <laughs> I would say that there is no more perfect way to end. Uh, Jen Brister, you're such a hero to me. I, I look up to you so much. You're, you're wonderful. Oh, bless you, James. Um, thank. I tell you what. I remember I once booked you to MC that gig for Stylist. Do you remember years and years and years ago? Oh um, my God! Yeah, yeah, yeah I do within remember. About, within about thirty seconds, I just thought, how how can I become? very good friends with this person and the fact that we have become good friends uh, means a great deal so thanks for being so wonderful and thanks for being oh thanks for having me so much guys i've had an absolute bloody ball and you're all adorable and i wish you all the very very best and i hope to see you all very soon uh, the other mother is out now. Uh, if, if you're going to get it, definitely please do definitely get the. I'm only saying that because it, it it really does gen justice. Get the the audio book version. It's it's very very funny. Thank you all, everyone on the front row, everyone watching at home. That was so much fun. We will be tweeting and posting and sharing our love of of Jen accordingly. Oh Tim, look, Timmy's on fire in the chat. Interested <laughs> the other mother? Buy it from your local bookshop. <laughs> Bigger Tim. Uh, we will see you tomorrow for John Bishop. John Bishop, and then we're back with Al Murray Monday, Rachel Marcus Tuesday, uh, Alex Horn, Susie Ruffle, a few other people uh, next Wednesday, and on and on and on. Next few weeks, I'm on. We've got Nish Kumar and James Acaster and uh, Josh Whittacombe, and many, many more. Ramesh Ranganathan. Uh, if you want to join the newsletter, there might be an announcement. I mean, I don't know who could possibly be playing at seven o'clock on a Tuesday <laughs> using a fake Crystal Palace pseudonym. 
Um, <laughs> I'm going to join our newsletter. Oh, I think I've told you guys this before, haven't I, that people have got in touch to say, how can I attend the Crystal Palace event? <laughs> <laughs> I just figured that was... I just thought no one will want to attend anything to do with Crystal Palace and ugh, been a few awkward emails. Thank you as always. Huge thanks to Tim Lewis. Round applause for Tim, the man behind the scenes. Uh, magic happen. God bless you, Tim. Thank you. Uh, Jen Brister, we love her so much. I don't, I, I won't even mention the gold pass. I'll spare you that. Uh, <laughs> see you tomorrow for, uh, for John Bishop. Thank you all very much. We love these uh, evening with nights. Nice to do, you know, break it up a bit and do something different. So uh, huge and heartfelt thanks to Jen, as always. Take care, everyone. We'll see you soon. Lots of love. Thanks, James. Huge and heartfelt thanks to the great Jen Brister. We've hyperlinked how you can buy Jen's book. We've also hyperlinked how you can get the audiobook version. <laughs> uh, it's a bit passive-aggressive of me to do that, but I've done it. Uh, we've also hyperlinked Jen's website. She's one of the very best. She's fantastic. She's great. Well, you just heard the episode, so you... <laughs> Tell you something you already know. Uh, if you've enjoyed it, please do as a solid. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We are at Balance LDN. And, um, you know, once this is all over, please go see Jen Brister live. She's uh, electrifying. She's great. Um, that rage is... When she's, <laughs> when she's on stage and the rage is flying, oh, it's real. But in the most, you know, in the most wonderful way possible. I think, I think the world of her. Uh, huge thanks Jen thanks to you all we're back next week uh, oh man I can't spoil who next week's episode is but uh, I'll say this strap in because uh, it's it's a wild one we'll leave it at that thank you as always I've been James Gill take care bye bye hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.